Hello and take me to your leader. My name is Nick. I'm Brandon. This is the Tennis Podcast. Brandon, I, I dropped a pretty heavy hint there on uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, I got my blood pumping. Before we get to that, tell the some bitches at home what this show's about. Each week, one of us brings a top 10 list on a different subject and the other has no prior knowledge of that list and they try to guess the items on that list. True. Ooh, that's exactly what happens. That's what we record. Some people say it's kind of like a little quiz because you can uh, guess along with Brandon here today on the show because I have the top 10-ish list today, Brandon. We'll be guessing. You can guess right along with him. Or you can turn your brain off. Yeah, you can do that too. You know, I'll give you a C plus on the intro of our show, Brandon. You need a little more pizzazz, a little more a little more shock and awe, uh, blood and guts maybe even. <laughs> uh, just something something more visual, uh, visually st- stimulating. Wait, uh, an auditory. Imaginative. Oh, you mean like? Yeah. Like enthusiasm? You, you need to paint a picture for him. You want me to have a pulse? Yeah. Paint a picture of them. Two big buff dudes hmm. with hairy chests hmm. sit in very separate locations. Are often mistaken for a grandfather-grandson pairing. And record the following podcast. So, you dropped a big hint. Yeah. I'm going to expand on that hint before I tell you the actual topic. I want to revisit a Twitter poll I posted the other day on Twitter. You can follow me at Nick underscore ML. That's Nick underscore E-M-E-L on Twitter. You can also follow us at Tennis Pod. Anyway, I asked my followers, do you believe that intelligent species from other planets have already visited Earth? Did you see this poll? No. You didn't? Okay, so you don't know the results. I could have voted in it and I just don't remember. All right, well, I want you to give me two guesses. Well, I want two answers. One, your choice, and then two, what you think most people chose. So, the options were absolutely, they visited Earth, maybe, no way, or aliens ain't real, brah. First, tell me what you think the majority chose. What I think the majority chose is absolutely. Okay, and what do you choose? Well, I already know, absolutely. I also choose absolutely. Okay, absolutely is the winner by by a hair. Uh, 45% of votes and then maybe you got 36%. Only 5% said aliens ain't real fucking idiots. We're going to get to the bottom of it today. I was at uh, the dentist office today. Oh my God. I mean, not my dentist. It was for uh, my kid <sighs> but they had an issue of popular yeah. science in the waiting room and it was all about weird fringe science subjects and one of the top articles was telling all the different reasons why UFOs and visitors from other planets were hogwash. Okay. And I feel like brain-wise, I went toe-to-toe with those scientists as I read that article in the pediatric dentist's yeah. waiting Kind of like how last week you told us you are on par with uh, the guitarist from Pink Floyd from an air guitar perspective. Right. David Gilmore is the David Gilmore of actual guitar. Mm-hmm. I'm the David Gilmore of air guitar Pink Floyd. Okay. And so, you're, you're a scientist too. Yep. Well, luckily for you and for our loyal listeners, we have all the answers today on the show because today we're going to be talking about the most credible UFO sightings and encounters in modern history. Ooh. This is a spicy one, Brandon. A lot of setup here, so bear with me everyone, but it's important to lay the uh, groundwork here. First, before I do all that groundwork, why don't you tell the folks at home, Brandon, what even is a UFO, an UFO? It's an unidentified flying object. From Wikipedia, 
A UFO is an unidentified flying object. It is a popular term for any aerial phenomenon that cannot be immediately identified. That's Most a new UFO- term is UAP, unexplained aerial phenomenon. Thanks, scientist Brandon. Well, I guess that does lend some credence to me being a scientist because I know that that is the new term. That's the term that the military, when the military disclosed that, yes, UFOs are real, the term they use is UAP. So they don't sound like space nerds when they're talking to each other over the radio. What you said there is key because you could have all the credibility in the world as a scientist, but the second you start talking about UFOs, you get looked at differently by the scientific community. Yeah. I think that's a little unfair. The term UFO is widely used for claimed observations of extraterrestrial spacecraft. In compiling today's list, how do I determine the most credible UFO sightings? Well, I don't determine it. Newsweek.com does because Newsweek.com in April 2019 published this article from Callum Patton. Patton. The title of the article is Most Credible UFO Sightings and Encounters in Modern History. And what they have done, I'm going to read this. So, again, bear with me. A series of UFO studies commissioned by the U.S. Air Force culminated in Project Blue Book, which wrapped up in 1969, found no evidence of the presence of extraterrestrial vehicles on Earth or in the skies above. The Air Force clearly hoped to put an end to the UFO craze, but the studies had the opposite effect. Joseph Allen Hynek, who had overseen the Air Force, you've heard of him, right? Yeah, I've, uh, there's a, a show on Project Blue Book that the History Channel did. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch that. The guy who, uh, what's his name? Peter Baelish from mm-hmm. Game of Thrones plays yeah. uh, Hynek and he's been the, I think I saw three episodes and he was pretty good in it. Littlefinger. Littlefinger Hynek? <laughs> Littlefinger Hynek sounds <laughs> super gross. Just combining two of his character names. He's gross. It's a little gross guy. I'm Littlefinger Hynek. In Game of Thrones, why was his name Littlefinger? Do you remember? Because he used his pinky a lot. Yeah, I bet he fucking did. I'll bet he did. Uh, anyway, Joseph Allen Hynek. He was with the Air Force during Project Blue Book, but he broke with the military, claiming the importance of UFOs had been underplayed by the Air Force. His scientific analysis forms much of the basis of modern ufology, ufology, and his Close Encounters classification system is the benchmark in grading the credibility of UFO sightings. So, we're using a point-based system developed by Mr. Hynek himself, the uh, father of U- modern ufology. Mm-hmm. And that is what we're going to look at. So, I got, I got more shit to read, but do you have any questions first? No. I'm jotting down my own guesses over here and I'm learning. I'm going to go through all this once. It's slightly dry. You won't have to remember everything, but again, just want to set the foundation here. The credibility scale works on a point-based system. One point is given for sightings with multiple witnesses. One point is given for an expert witness, such as a pilot, air traffic controller, a military or government official. One point is awarded for picture evidence and an additional point for film of a moving UFO. Unidentified flying objects can often be explained away as a foreign aircraft, so an additional point is given for UFOs seen to be flying in a manner inconsistent with flight as humans know it. Close encounters of the first kind, which is sightings of an object less than 500 feet away, are given one point. Close encounters of the second kind, where a UFO event, a UFO event where a physical effect is felt, such as a car light breaks, extreme heat is felt, scorch marks on the ground, etc., those are given two points. Finally, a close encounter of the third kind, instances where an animated pilot is seen, basically a, or a fucking alien is seen. He just looks out the window and goes, hey guys. He's like literally an animated cartoon. <laughs> anyway, that's a close encounter of the third kind and those are given three points. And last, three points are removed where military or government bodies have discredited the sightings. 
So, there's seven or eight ways to gain points and then there's one way to lose points, a lot of points, three points if you've been debunked by a military or government body. So, you put all those points together and today we're going to look at the top 10 most highly pointed, the, the sightings with the most points to tell you the most credible UFO sightings in modern history. You got all that? I got it. Whew, are you having fun so far? Is this boring? You think the listener's bored? I kind of don't care. I'm just more interested in how excited I am about space aliens. Okay. So, let me maybe slightly dampen your excitement a little bit because in the top 10, there's maybe half of the top 10 I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised if you've heard of them. So, I figure we'll get through all the ones you can guess. After that, I'll just start reading them off. Okay. The last thing I want to say before we let Brandon's scientific... Before, let, before you unleash me. I want to reiterate, if it's not clear, that we are not experts. In anything. No, we're not experts in anything, especially UFOs. I have an interest in UFOs, a casual interest. I'd say Brandon does as well. But we are not experts. But I've done the best research I can given, you know, the time limits I have. There are podcasts out there that I do highly recommend with experts. I'll share some of those later in this episode. But I pulled my research from a lot of places online, including Newsweek.com, Wikipedia, and a couple of UFO-specific uh, websites that I think you'll enjoy. So, with all that said, Brandon, mm -hmm. whew, I need a drink. I need a... A hard cider. I need a cigarette. Let me uh, set the table here and say that Roswell, the most famous UFO sighting mm -hmm. perhaps in the world and at least in America... It's number 25. Yeah, it's, um, there's so much. Well, the government, they've tried to cover, either cover it up or deny it or explain it away and it's been debunked in many different like kinds of ways. I don't know that like I buy all of them or, sure. or most of them, but according to the scale that you talked about, I think guess that's part of the reason why it would be 25. Yeah, it's got a total credibility rating of negative two. <laughs> it's negatively credible, <laughs> which makes it incredible. You might say that. All right, so uh, give me some guesses here. How about an incident, I think it's also known as the Battle of Los Angeles. Is that listed yeah. in the top 10? No. Does it go by other names maybe? It occurred in 1941, 1942, I think right over, it was basically like an air raid over Los Angeles. Then some unexplained lights that could not be hit with anti-aircraft guns or flak, I guess tormented the Los Angeles coast for one night, I think, around the start of World War II. Brandon, you know that's a fictional movie starring, <laughs> what's his starring, name, Two-Face. Uh, Two-Face, yeah, Aaron Eckert. Yeah. No, I, I just scrolled through. There's nothing in the top 25 oh, okay. that matches that. Was there not a UFO sighting along with the Mothman? I'm not seeing that in here either. Okay. Let's cross that off. How about the Phoenix Lights? The Phoenix Lights. That is a very famous sighting. It's number 12 though. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> We're in trouble. Let me read a brief description for the listeners. The Phoenix Lights happened in March 1997 in Phoenix, New York. <clears throat> uh-huh. Ufologists have claimed hundreds of witnesses saw the, quote, otherworldly lights across Arizona, Nevada, and northern Mexico. Sighting comprised two principal parts, the spotting of a giant V-shaped craft displaying a number of lights or light-emitting thrusters and the sight of a series of stationary orange or red lights hanging in the sky. Uh, the most interesting part of that story is that the governor, the man who was the governor at the time... He made fun of it at first. He made fun of it at the time. He was in office at that time but has since come out and said that... In fact, I have a quote here. It says, I'm a pilot and I know just about every machine that flies. 
It was bigger than anything that I've ever seen. It remains a great mystery. So, yeah, number 12. It has a credibility rating of 3. Well, I'm hurting now. So, there's two incidents that I can recall within the last 10 years or so that were both located in airports. One was near the Chicago airport, spotted by pilots, and the other one, I think, was in a Chinese airport. Let's, let's pause there. Chicago O'Hare Airport sightings number five. Yes, I got one. This one is interesting. It, it happened in November 2006. It was in Chicago, Illinois, right there in the uh, Chicago O'Hare Airport. Has a credibility... Have you eaten a hot dog there over the trash can? Uh, no, I haven't eaten anything like that there. Okay. So, Atlanta has a special... You save it for... Okay. That's cool. I understand. Has a credibility rating of four. Here's the summary. A total of 12 United Airlines employees and a few witnesses outside the airport at Chicago O'Hare International Airport reported a UFO sighting. The Federal Aviation Administration declined to investigate the incident because the UFO was not seen on radar and called it a, quote, weather phenomenon. Hmm. Wasn't there a video of that? Yeah, I have a lot of other notes on it, but I want to stop first and say, do you think that when any sort of government body comes out and says, no, 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 it was a weather phenomenon. I think that means they've done enough investigation to know, like, we need to tell everybody that this is some bullshit and that we're not investigating it. So, that no one is paying any attention when we start investigating the shit out of it. But what do you think the government does when they, the, the, the real story, when they see a UFO in the sky, do they follow it? What do they do? What, like, what's the end game of that? I don't know. I, I mean, I know in the past it was like they would try to shoot it down, which yeah. you got to think like if you're a super advanced species and you're, you're like, let's go sightseeing. There's this place called Earth. It's beautiful. The people who the like... Uh, are you sure they're the, saying that? <laughs> yeah. Well, they say it, but the critters who live there, they're killing it and they'll uh -huh. also kill anybody who comes near. So, it's kind of like uh, you go by one of the, some of those untouched tribes and they throw like spears and stuff <laughs> to keep modern people away so that they won't be contacted. That's kind of like us. Yeah. It's a paradox almost because we want them to stay the fuck away. But if they do come here, we want to study the shit out of them. Yeah, we want to kill you and wear your parts. What's that um, theory? It's like there's like a someone's name. Oh, I, I know it. The Fermi paradox. Well, that's the paradox. I'm there's another theory that's kind of, it sounds like that. But anyway, there's another theory that races of species have like certain pillars of advancement. Mm -hmm. And once they get to the end, they destroy themselves. Yeah, that's, I think that's part of the Fermi paradox. Okay, it might be. Anyway, I think that theory goes, I'm, I know I'm butchering this and somebody out there that's a nerd is rolling their eyes, but. Yeah, that's me. I'm rolling my eyes. That's why we're not being visited. That's why we don't see anybody because they've all gone through that period already. They've all gone through that phase of self-destruction. Yeah, the one where we burn up the planet and then nuke each other. Yeah, we're almost there. So, that's fun. Yeah, so good times. Let me tell you about this uh, number five here, the Chicago airport sighting. Again, this is November 2006. Federal authorities at Chicago airport received a report that a group of 12 airport employees were witnessing a metallic saucer-shaped craft hovering over gate C-17. The object was spotted by a ramp employee who was pushing back United Airlines flight 446, which was departing Chicago for Charlotte, North Carolina. The employee apprised the crew of the object above the aircraft. 
The object was also witnessed by pilots, airline management, and mechanics. No air traffic controller saw the object as it did not show up on radar. Do you know I actually have, there is actually a recording of that American Airlines employee, the one who... It's United, United Airlines. Sorry, United Airlines employee, the one who works on the ground there of him reporting it to the aircraft above. What do you mean you have it? You've, you've heard it? Yeah. It's uh Holy fucking shit! Is that really what it is? No, that... <laughs> No. Oh, you're making a joke. That's just me that... I mean, is that not how you you would say? I thought you really had audio of it. God damn it. (laughs) You got me. I guess I did. (laughs) Got him. That's on me. That's on me, fam. Uh, Witnesses described the object as completely silent, 6 to 24 feet in diameter. That's a big... Wait, between 6 and 24 24. feet? Yeah. I don't know. It was somewhere between the size of, I don't know, a teeny tiny car and a great big bus. It was that big in diameter and dark gray in color. Several independent witnesses outside of the airport also saw the object. One described a, dick sh- a <laughs> oh, disc-shaped <good>. <laughs> craft hovering over the airport, stating that it was obviously not clouds. According to this witness, the object shot through the clouds at high velocity, leaving a clear blue hole in the cloud layer. The hole repeatedly seemed to close itself shortly afterward. On most of these, I have the debunk. So, Actually, before but- I get to that... Yeah, go ahead. So, the UFO hung out for a little bit. It got spotted and it zoomed up straight up and then made a hole in the clouds and the clouds came together like butt cheeks. Yep, just like butt cheeks. And in fact, the air traffic controller remarked to fly 7 million light years to O'Hare and then have to turn around and go home because your gate was occupied is simply unacceptable. That must be air traffic controller humor. (laughs) You don't think that's funny? Simply unacceptable. Because if these aliens are visiting Earth mm-hmm. in their spacecraft, I mean, who's to say it takes them more than a few hours or a few days or something? I mean, if they have the technology, it might not be that big a deal to see, oh, our gate's occupied, fly back home, try again the next day. But you have to wonder why the O'Hare Airport, what are they hoping to find there? So, anyway, that's uh, the Chicago O'Hare Airport sighting. You better hope they leave your Atlanta airport alone, Brandon. You might starve to death. Is there one in China? There's no China. What about there's one at a military base in England? Yes. I think that's the most well-known one in the top 10. It's the other Roswell. Rendlesham Forest incident. Rendlesham Forest, yes. What number is that? It's number four. It is called Britain's Roswell. Right. Number four, the Rendlesham Forest incident happened in December 1980 in Suffolk, England. Suffolk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you feeling horny? So fuck. <laughs> Has a credibility rating of five. Do you remember the, the details here? I remember some of them. I used to have a DVD set of Unsolved Mysteries all focusing on UFO episodes and one of them, a two-part episode, was devoted to Rendlesham Forest incident. So, I've seen the Unsolved Mysteries recreation of events and then I also listened to the last podcast episode or multi-part episode on it. Yeah, last podcast I left it a series on it. That's the bulk of my knowledge. Although, found a lot of research, it is pretty compelling. Yeah, it was caught on radar. There's a lot of radar evidence. And more. So, between December 26th and 28th of 1980, the U.S. Air Force personnel stationed at RAF Bentwaters, which I guess is part of Rendlesham. Oh, it's in the Rendlesham Forest. Okay. Anyway, the Royal Air Force. I don't know. Who knows? Who the fuck knows? Who gives a fuck? 
They reported seeing strange lights near Rendlesham Forest. The UK Ministry of Defense, and they had to spell defense with a C instead of an S because they got to be fucking difficult. They stated that the event posed no threat to national security and it therefore was never investigated. Mm-hmm. The occurrence is the most famous of UFO events that have happened in the United Kingdom, ranking among the best known reported UFO events worldwide. Skeptics have explained the sightings as a misinterpretation of a series of nocturnal lights, fireball, a lighthouse, bright stars, and more. So, what happened? Here's what happened. Around 3 a.m. on 26 December 1980, because they got to put the number before the month. God, give me a break. You make me sick. Oh, Brits. good lord. <laughs> just, if you, if you put the number before the month, just unsubscribe from the show. No, that's fine. Get out of here. We don't got time for that. USA, USA. December 26, 1980, a security patrol at the Air Force Base. They saw lights apparently descending into nearby Rendlesham Forest. Servicemen initially thought it was a downed aircraft, but upon entering the forest to investigate, they saw, according to a memo by Halt, I'll get to him in a minute, what they described as a glowing object, metallic in appearance with colored lights. They gotta put the OU in colored, colored lights. God. But, uh, you're really upset about some like minor cultural differences. I'm just joking around. As they attempted to approach the object that appeared to move through the trees and the animals on a nearby farm went into a quote frenzy. Shortly after 4am, local police were called to the scene but reported that the only lights they could see were those from the Orford Ness Lighthouse some miles away on the coast. There's a little bit more here. After daybreak on the morning of December 26th, servicemen returned to a small clearing near the eastern edge of the forest and found three small impressions on the ground in a triangular pattern, as well as burn marks and broken branches on nearby trees. Police were called out again, but they said that the impressions could have been made by an animal. So, here's the, uh, one of the big pieces of evidence. The deputy base commander, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt, visited the site with several servicemen in the early hours of December 28th. They took radiation readings in the Triangle of Depressions and in the surrounding area using a standard U.S. military radiation survey meter. They detected a similar small burst of radiation over half a mile away from the landing site. Halt recorded the events on a cassette recorder. So, this is all an audio recording. Mm-hmm. I got a lot more to read. So, let me stop there. Did I, uh, what do you think so far? Does anybody need to be shaken awake? Does it? <laughs> I, I mean... If you've never heard of this shit, don't you want to know what it is? Yeah, I know. I'm just kidding. Uh, this is slightly different format than our usual like, hey, here's a bunch of stupid bullshit about something. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, a series of stories. So, no, I'm just trying to, uh, I'm trying to let these stories take center stage because they are strange and fantastic. If you need to entertain yourself, if you need a way to make this more entertaining for you, me reading, just put me to half speed so that I sound a little more sensual. Good Lord. Is any of the audio from the cassettes available like on YouTube for people to listen to? I believe so. I mean, I remember hearing it on the last podcast episode, so I assume it's out there. Let me read you a little more about the night. Halt, again, he's the base commander, deputy base commander. He is the biggest proponent of this all being something uh, extraterrestrial. So, he's the one who recorded everything on his cassette recorder. It was during the investigation that a flashing light was seen across the field to the east, almost in line with a farmhouse, as the witnesses had seen on the first night. The lighthouse that was nearby is visible further to the east at the same line of sight. 
which, you know, is one of the things the skeptics cling to. Later, according to Halt's recording, three star-like lights were seen in the sky, two to the north and one to the south, about 10 degrees above the horizon. Halt said that the brightest of these hovered for two to three hours and seemed to beam down a stream of light from time to time. Astronomers have explained these star-like lights as bright stars. Yeah, yeah. In June 2010, Colonel Charles Halt, the guy we keep talking about, he signed a notarized affidavit in which he again summarized what had happened, then stated he believed the event to be extraterrestrial and it had been covered up by both the UK and US. One proposed theory is that the incident was a hoax. The BBC recorded that a former U.S. security policeman, Kevin Conde, or Cond, claimed responsibility for creating the strange lights in the forest by driving around in a police vehicle whose lights he had modified. However, there's no evidence that this actually took place. Other explanations have included a downed Soviet spy satellite, but no evidence for that has come up. My last little piece of notes here, the most plausible skeptical explanation is that the sightings were due to a combination of three main factors. The lighthouse? A fireball flying over southern England, whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. <laughs> yeah, like that wouldn't be remarkable <laughs> all by itself. <laughs> it says here, this is from Wikipedia, that such fireballs are a common source of UFO reports. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Mario pitching a fit somewhere, fireballs thrown around. <laughs> yeah. And this is my favorite part. This is what skeptics say. The supposed landing marks, remember there were impressions in the ground mm-hmm. where they think a spacecraft may have landed. They say, nope, those are rabbit diggings. <laughs> Little rabbit was digging around here. Wasn't it in a perfectly triangle, like a equilateral triangle? Yeah, I believe so. And just again, I'm like doing the very broad brush strokes on this stuff. If you are interested in this, there's a million books on it and podcasts. Yeah, the gist is that strange lights that have never had definitive explanation more than once was seen as well as perfectly indented indentions in the ground where a spacecraft may have landed as well as several military people saying they saw a glowing metallic object with colored lights on the ground. It would be pretty hard to confuse that with the lighthouse that you've seen every single night since you've been stationed there Mm -hmm. in the same spot, blinking in the exact same pattern. (laughs) Yeah, it's the explanations like it just make people look like completely stupid idiots. I realize like a lot of people do get excited and fantastical about stuff that doesn't look quite right and might jump to a conclusion. But these are a bunch of like military, I don't know. When you hear the whole story, it sounds like they were investigating stuff and every time that they investigated something and basically tried to make sure that it wasn't like something. Yeah. What motivation does the deputy base commander, Charles Halt, have to make shit up? None. And cause trouble like that, yeah. Unless this is just like the most like agonizing way to commit suicide. Career because, suicide, you mean? No, just like regular suicide because... Oh, uh-huh, okay. Yeah, because it ruins your life. It doesn't even just ruin your career. Like, I think people's personal lives are ruined as well when they start totally. saying like, yeah, it was a UFO. So, yeah. That's a I've, great point. Like, what what does this guy have to gain other than just knowing that he's telling the truth? It's a great point. I think Henry has made that point on last podcast where every single person ever with like very few exceptions that have ever claimed to see a UFO, their life gets worse. <laughs> they don't make a bunch of money. If they become famous, they become infamous, their lives get worse. They gain nothing. I mean, I guess you can go to the fucking space nerd convention. Yeah, and most of them like still stick with the story regardless. I mean, maybe there's an argument to be said that like, look, if you spend 20 years of your life saying that you were abducted by aliens and things have gone poorly, 
if you admit that you had been lying for 20 years, okay, yeah, it wasn't an alien. It's not like people are going to, people are going to be like, okay, you're cool now. <laughs> like, no, you're also crazy and lied to us for 20 years. Yeah. I think Rendlesham is compelling. I think there's something there. I do wonder, what, what are the aliens doing? Are they just researching people? Wasn't uh, Rendlesham supposedly or maybe not publicly a nuclear facility? It was a place where they had nuclear missiles stationed to be launched at, during the Cold War? I mean, I didn't come up. That, that might be right. Yeah. There's a lot of UFO sightings around nuclear missiles or nuclear weapons or nuclear facilities. How often do you think people get sucked up by UFOs? Kind of like Whitley Strieber, the writer of Communion, the book Communion. <sighs> like beamed up and then all that stuff. If you listen to the most recent last podcast on the left is about is three different stories of alien abductions that resulted in sexual encounters. Oh, baby. (laughs) They're actually all super weird and gross. Should we just change the description of today's episode to like the last podcast? To like, hey, listen (laughs) to this episode of the last podcast I listened to. Okay, so, yeah, that's Rendlesham. Oh, yeah. I guess to the answer to your question, how often are people getting sucked up by them? Yeah, beamed up. It sounds like it's pretty often. It sounds like it's like... Well, in the top 10, there's none of that. Any abduction scenarios? Well, yeah. no, I, I guess because as soon as you say you've been abducted, then... Credibility goes out the window. Credibility, right. Yeah, which is sad because I'm not saying it, it is true, but it could be true. Who knows? Yeah. And... I like to think it's more fun if you think it is true. So, we keep talking about last podcast. Let me tell you about some other really good UFO extraterrestrial podcasts out there. Our Strange Skies podcast is a bi-weekly podcast that delves into the stories of ordinary people confronting the unidentified in their backyard and beyond. Really well done. I've been giving those damn Brits a hard time on today's episode. A couple of Brits that I do like are from the Never a Straight Answer or NASA podcast. Two guys in Manchester that cover a wide range of topics from conspiracy theories, mystery, popular culture and news including UFO shit. They're also hilarious. My last shout out here is for Somewhere in the Skies, a weekly podcast about UFOs and the strange world we live in. If you want to listen to experts talk about some of this shit, go check out Our Strange Skies, Never a Straight Answer, Somewhere in the Skies. Brandon, you have number four, Rendlesham, number five, Chicago. And I'm looking here, I think there might only be like one or two more you might be able to guess. Hmm. I'm trying to think of some of the ones I saw in Project Blue Book. Is there one involving a military jet that flew over a football game? No. Okay. That was, I think that was in the first episode of Project Blue Book. But the, uh, what is often cited as like the first major UFO sighting of the modern era that kind of kicked off all the sightings after that. Kenneth Arnold UFO sighting is a very famous case. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's number 24. People were wondering there. Let me, uh, let me just tell you number 10, see if you know about it. The Shag Harbor sighting. Uh, the name is familiar. I, you know, I have actually read uh, like several uh, UFO books over the years and I recently read one on military reports of UFOs, which I assume would be some of the most credible and it's just unfortunate that they've all sort of blurred together Yeah. and I can't think of any of the actual names. But yes, Shag Harbor does sound familiar. It happened at Shag Harbor in Nova Scotia, Canada in October 1967. Is that sounding more familiar? Sort of, yeah. Here's the description. This was the reported impact of an unknown large object into waters near Shag Harbor, Mm -hmm. a tiny fishing village in the Canadian province of Nova Scotia in October 1967. 
The reports were investigated by various civilian and military agencies of the government of Canada and the U.S. A dozen or so witnesses say they saw a glowing orange sphere. God, that'd be scary to see that. Crash into the water and then slip beneath the surface. No wreckage was ever found. So, here's some other things that make this interesting. Prior to the incident, like the day of, en route to Toronto while flying from the Halifax International Airport, Air Canada Captain Pierre Chabalala on flight 305 pointed out to co-pilot whoever the fuck that there was something strange out the left side of the aircraft. In his report, the captain reported an object tracking along on a parallel course a few miles away. He describes it as brilliantly lit rectangular object with a string of smaller lights trailing the object. A few minutes later, the pilots noticed a sizable silent explosion near the large object. Two minutes later, a second explosion occurred which faded into a blue cloud. So, that happened right before the supposed crash into water. Like got shot down? Yeah. The Chronicle Herald and local radio stations reported a glowing object that had been seen by many people who called the newsroom. A rescue mission was quickly assembled because uh, people assumed there was a crash of some sort, like an airplane or mm-hmm. then a half hour of the crash, there were local fishing boats sent out to the water to look for survivors. No survivors, bodies or debris were taken. Nothing was ever found. Two days after the incident had been observed, a detachment of RCN divers from Fleet Diving Unit Atlantic was assembled and for the next three days, they combed the seafloor looking for an object. Nothing was ever found. Royal Canadian Navy, I bet that's what that is. Yeah, you fucking Canadian turncoat. They didn't find nothing. Neither hide nor hair. So, here's the gist. A giant orange sphere crashed into the water. There was tons of witnesses that saw it. People, regular people calling local stations as well as these two pilots that I talked about in the air and uh, nothing was ever found. So, what's the explanation for that? Maybe it was something that like broke up in the air. That's what that looked like, the explosions. Like if it was a meteorite and then when it hit the water, then they wouldn't find any crash they, because it's just a rock. Get out of here with that logic. <laughs> Sorry. Well, don't forget that the pilots before... They saw an object tracking along on a parallel course a few miles away. They're probably drunk. He describes it as a brilliantly lit rectangular object with a string of smaller lights trailing the object. Aliens! Yeah, I don't... My mind goes straight to aliens. That's got to be it. It's credible enough to be number 10, asshole. Little fucking scientist. Is there one about um, a pilot off the coast of Australia that disappeared? No. Hmm, nuts. Let me give you some of the top right before 20. Uh, so, we got 25 is Roswell, 24 is the Kenneth Arnold sighting, 23 is the Leveland UFO case, 22 is Stephenville, Texas UFO sightings, 21 is a NASA Curiosity rover photograph. Oh, that one's horseshit. 20 is the Washington DC flap, <laughs> then it's the, <laughs> the Washington DC flap. Yeah. A couple of flaps up there in Washington DC, am I right? Mm-hmm. The Van Valensol UFO sighting in France. The Delphos ring incident. Loring Air Force Base sighting. Sheriff's Deputy Val Johnson in Minnesota. Cash Landrum sighting in the Dayton, Sheriff's Texas. Sheriff's Deputy in Minnesota. I think I know that one. He hit the UFO with his car. Hit his windshield. Yeah, his, his patrol car had suffered superficial damage and he had burns around his eyes. Yeah. The now-retired chief of police has kept an open mind about the experience. I saw a wall of light, he told in an interview. I drove toward it and suddenly it was in the car with me. 
inexplainable and it will remain so. I'm happy with my mental stability. <laughs> <laughs> he just had to tack that onto the end. <laughs> I'm a very stable no. genius and I'm happy with my mental stability. There's the Belgian UFO wave. I'd rather hit that waffle wave, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the Phoenix Lights and then 11 is the Mick Minville organ case in 1950 and then Shag Harbor at 10. Is there another series of sightings that's in a small town in Texas? Let's see. Maybe Stevensville is the, other, is the one I'm thinking. Ste- yeah, Stevensville is in the top 25 but not the top 10. There's nothing else in Texas in top 10. So, let me tell you... Let me guess one more. I feel like okay. I remember one more mass sighting in upstate New York. No. Okay. That's the problem here. I mean, those might be very famous but because of that credibility scale, I, ta- I talked about that at the top. How about for the rest of the list, you give me the name of the incident and I try to tell you what I think happened there. Number nine is the 1976 Tehran incident. How do you spell that? T-E-H-R-A-N. Tehran? Whatever the fuck. Oh, a UFO was spotted over the Iranian city of Tehran. Yes. By pilots. It was a radar and visual sighting of a UFO over Tehran, Tehran, the capital of Iran, during the early morning hours of September 19th, 1976. During the incident, two Iranian Air Force Phantom II jet interceptors reported losing instrumentation and communications as they approached the object. They were restored upon withdrawal. Yeah, that's the... Credibility rating of four. There's a lot of recurring theme in UFO sightings is that you get close to them and then like every, your, all the electronics shut down. Which is no big deal when you're in your car, but when you are in a phantom jet, I'd say that is, that is a pants shitting problem immediately. Yeah. And we're talking to the expert of pants shitting here, pants, right here yeah. with us. That's a surefire way to fill your pants. Pilot Parvez Jafari. I think we found Jafar here. He said he attempted to fire on the UFO, but Hell was unable yeah. to cause any damage. He said, quote, my weapons jammed and my radio communications garbled, he said, according to the Irish Independent. He threw a shoe at it and... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I remember when my weapons jam. Uh, There's some garbling going on there too. According to U.S. journalist Philip J. Class, it was likely the pilots initially saw an astronomical body, probably Jupiter, (laughs) an explanation also cited by aerospace researchers. I know I get distracted when I see an astronomical body. You know what I'm saying? What is that supposed to be? A big ass? Like a big old butt. (laughs) This guy, Class, he wrote that the pilot incompetence and equipment malfunction likely accounted for the reported equipment failure. So, this guy's fucking like, it's the pilots. They suck. Yeah. He just... just I cannot believe this asshole. He said all this can be attributed to this idiot (laughs) gumming up the works. He wasn't even there. He's making some big assumptions. (laughs) What an asshole. He said... uh, that's what that was his uh, his analysis. Like the guy's probably just an asshole. <laughs> Brandon, imagine if you saw a UFO tonight and you told the world about it, and some guy that wasn't even there said, "He's fucking incompetent." He wears glasses, probably <laughs> stupid. Fucking Urkel over yeah. there thinks he probably just saw Jupiter. He's got four eyes. He still can't see. <laughs> oh man. Uh, number eight is the Coyne Mansfield helicopter incident. I don't know this one. Happened in October 1973 in Mansfield, Ohio with a credibility rating of four. Four crew members of an Army Reserve helicopter recorded a near collision with a UFO near Charles Malek. I like this one because they're right up there on it, a near collision. 
The incident was corroborated by witnesses in Richland and Ashland counties who described an object or a ball of light moving in a manner not consistent with human flight. (laughs) They weren't serving shitty little pretzels? (laughs) The crew on the helicopter piloted by Lawrence Coyne, for whom the sighting is named after, he reported seeing a 60-foot long cigar-shaped object with a bright green light. A uh, 60-foot-long cigar-shaped object. If, if we had a reporting every time one of those was seen, then all nine of my wives would have been reporting it. Am I right, guys? Oh, my God. What's that weird little noise? That was supposed to be like applause, eruption of support from all my, from all my boys out there. It, they they really go go all in when they describe the size of these UFOs. 60 feet long. They almost collided with it and it was corroborated by witnesses. So, get this. I, I went to a UFO expert website, ufoinsight.com. Mm-hmm. The incident over Mansfield, Ohio was witnessed by four professional military pilots as well as multiple witnesses on the ground. Furthermore, the encounter is still unexplained but considered one of the more authentic of such incidents, an unknown and highly advanced aircraft would zoom in on a military helicopter, stop suddenly in front of them, hovering slightly. Each of the pilots would sign sworn testimony regarding the authenticity of the encounter. Perhaps more important was the commander of the helicopter in question chose to speak to the media before debriefing his superiors. This, rightly or wrongly, depending on your perspective, prevented any aspect of the incident from being classified. Yeah, that was probably a stupid idea on his behalf. This one seems credible to me. I mean, I'm not saying it's aliens, but they they ran into something. Four military pilots, what do they have to gain? They only have to lose from bringing this forward. I mean, the the only reason I think you would get like four military pilots to lie about something like that is if they had all made like the same drunken mistake the night before and they're like, all right, we got to get our story straight. How are we going to cover our asses? I don't know, an alien. But I don't think they crashed or anything. There's no trouble that was mentioned. No, I I just mean they were, like, maybe they weren't supposed to be out flying around. Yeah. <laughs> They're cruise helicoptering. They went for a joyride. They took a, a case of uh, Coors Light with them. Yeah. Out for a helicopter joyride. Or maybe a case of peanut butter. Huh? We're not going to do, no. Don't we're not mess, doing- don't, don't mess up my UFO episode with... With the devil's peanut butter. Wow. A hot take for a deep dive on peanut butter. Listen to our last episode. The next one on the list here is the Nancy France sighting, which just sounds like something a bully says to like a fancy boy in school. Nancy France. <laughs> is it a lady named Nancy France or is it a place named Nancy it's in the, it's France? It's a town, Nancy. It happened in October 1982. Uh, has a credibility rating of four. At 12.30 a.m., an ovoid object descended into a garden and hovered above the ground. After 20 minutes, the object took off silently into the sky. The witness, a biologist, reported that when the UFO rose up, the grass under it stood up straight. In the afternoon, the witness noted that two plants located near the UFO had withered leaves. The witness called the, let's see, he called the gendarmerie, gendarmerie, I don't know what that is. Uh, They made an inspection in the garden and took samples of the plants. The analysis of the samples found that the plants had been dehydrated. No evidence of radiation. Yeah, the plant part doesn't really mean anything to me, but the idea that the grass was standing straight up. Mm -hmm. The ovoid vessel had a shiny metallic appearance. He attempted to photograph the craft but found his camera had jammed. I remember in Skinwalker Ranch, there was a lot of that, right? 
where the camera would jam. Right. A Skinwalker Ranch, not in the top 10. Anyway, the, uh, after the UFO regained altitude, it moved at a speed and trajectory impossible for man-made aircraft. The witness claimed the vessel had an effect on his garden plants, but again, under analysis, they were just found to be dehydrated. His wife left for a couple weeks vacation. She came back, all her plants were dead. <laughs> Instead of admitting he forgot to water him, he's like, something, something flew down here. And he zapped them all, the grass was sticking straight up. Oh, sorry, he's French. He's like, the grass was sticking straight up. Wow, wow, wow. And then the egg, it went kabloo. Wow. And now all your plants are dead. I'd like to apologize to our French listeners. That's not being stereotypical. And our French Canadian listeners. That's just one dude. That's not all French dudes. That's just one guy. Okay, all right. That was a very good impression of that one guy. Wee oui, wee. Oui. The Japan Airlines Flight 1628 incident. Number six. Have you heard of this one? It sounds familiar. This happened in November 1986 near Alaska. Credibility rating of four. The aircraft, uh, it was a Japan Airlines flight. It was en route from Paris to Narita International Airport near Tokyo with a cargo of wine. The crew first witnessed two unidentified objects to their left in the air. <laughs> okay. Well, um, it's already suspect. They're flying Why? a plane full of wine. <laughs> All right. The uh, flying objects abruptly rose from below and closed in to escort their aircraft. Each had two rectangular arrays of what appeared to be glowing nozzles or thrusters, though their bodies remained obscured by darkness. When closest, the aircraft's cabin was lit up and the captain could feel heat, their heat on his face. So, we got glowing nozzles, thrusters, and feeling heat on your face. Hmm. These two craft departed before a third, much larger disc-shaped object started trailing them. Air traffic control obliged and requested an oncoming United Airlines flight to confirm the unidentified traffic, but when it and a military craft saw the uh, original airplane, no other craft could be distinguished. Yeah, they were lying. They were drunk. The captain of the flight, he cited in an official report that the object was a UFO. He said, he gave an, he gave an interview to some journalists mm -hmm. and then after that, he was grounded for talking to the press. I was going to say, when he gave the interview, were his lips really dark, like reddish purple? <laughs> it was wine stained. Yeah. After a three-month investigation, the Federal Aviation Administration formally released their results. They retracted earlier suggestions that the controllers confirmed a UFO and ascribed it to a split radar image, which appeared with unfortunate timing. Oh, he was seeing double? Yeah. <laughs> Think I cracked this case. So, the reason some of these are so high on here is because they get a point for every, every expert witness. You have a pilot, captain, air traffic controller. If you, for each one of those, they get a point. Yeah, but how many points? <laughs> this should count as like less than a full point if, if they are really, really close to a huge supply of alcohol. Well, you're, you're making some assumptions that you think they've broken into the wine, Brandon. Wouldn't I people think, know? I think when you're flying a whole plane full of wine, you think, what are they going to notice? One crate of wine. But the pilot? I mean, they have autopilot on an airplane. <sighs> yeah, flying it isn't even hard. Put it on autopilot. Yeah, it's... Give me a break. It's easier than driving. Okay. We just down to the top three here. Do you have any guesses left in you? <sighs> I ran out of my, like my first guess was number 25 on the list, so. Yeah. No, I can't remember any more specific UFO incidents. But if you tell me the names, I might be able to fill in the blanks. 
uh, before we go into the top three here, we talked before, uh, I think in a previous episode, you do, I get, we've gone kind of far today without addressing this. You believe in extraterrestrials. You believe they've visited Earth already. Yes. Okay. You believe that the US government knows about it and has evidence in captivity somewhere. Yes. You think they have living specimens? I don't think they have any specimens that are alive anymore. But I think at one time they probably had living specimens and I think, you know, they've pickled them as best they can. Pickled them, Jesus fucking Christ. Pickled them. That's what they do. They stick them I in know, I know, but some just the phrase. So, let's use Roswell as an example. Mm-hmm. Not saying you do or don't believe in Roswell, but let's say Roswell happens. They get some aliens. Maybe they're alive. Maybe they're dead. Couple little gray boys. They pickle them. Why don't more aliens come to rescue them? Hmm. Remember when I said it was like Earth is like a bad neighborhood? <laughs> if you knew someone who said they were going to, they were going to go sightseeing in Syria. Okay. And you said, that's dangerous. You should not go sightseeing in, danger- in Syria. And then you found out that their spaceship crashed and... <laughs> their spaceship. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, then someone dragged away their bodies and eventually pickled them. Wow. You would say, well, I did tell you, you should not have gone to Syria. I will not be going over there to rescue you. You, you knew better. But this is... If they're here in a spaceship, doesn't that mm-hmm. seem like it's their government? Not just some guys like, you know, jumping in the pickup truck and driving to the driving. Yeah, to Earth. but to them, to them, getting in a spaceship is like getting in a pickup truck. It's no big deal. Everybody's got a spaceship. There was a you know a time when it was unbelievable that even a child would have their own car, like a sixteen-year-old would have his own car, and yet for some lucky turds, since they turn sixteen, they've got a car. So, yeah, I bet there's like a 16-year-old alien somewhere just got his first ovoid. If what you're saying is true, then wouldn't we be having more of that shit happening? More aliens popping up, just joyriding? I think we might. Yeah. Would you have sex with an alien, Brandon? Be honest. Mm-mm. Mm. Okay. Do you think that there are aliens walking among us that look like people? Mm. Someone had a gun to your head and you had to use your... Gut feeling. I don't think that there is like an alien that looks like a person or an alien that has like a human disguise that's like, you know, something that they can climb inside or wear or something. Like Men in Black. Right. But have you heard about not the movie Men in Black, the Will Smith kind, but have you heard you heard about the Men in Black, the phenomenon, these sort of otherworldly, unnatural, creepy, strange guys who show up around UFO sightings or other high strangeness. I mean, I'm aware of that, but I haven't people, liked them. People talk about being confronted or having encounters with men or beings who aren't quite right, like they have waxy skin and they're like they're not quite right. They look like they are manufactured. They don't move correctly or speak correctly. And I don't think that they're like a physical thing. I think they are some sort of like projection. I think a lot of the alien or extraterrestrial phenomenon, like the differences, you know, for instance, in the Rendlesham incident, there are two witnesses who both were physically in the same location and reported seeing the same type Mm -hmm. of object. But their descriptions of that object when they got close to it were vastly different. And I think even differed in the amount of time that they felt that they spent near the object. 
So I think that there's something that is a sort of psychic or psychological connection is part of this. Part of that is projecting an image or being interpreted in a certain way, maybe because what someone is experiencing is so it's so difficult for their brain to rationalize or explain away that they have trouble, literally have trouble seeing it. Right. Anyway, so I think that the men in black fall under that and I think that there are, yeah, I think, I don't think there's like an alien uh, among us, but I think whatever these sort of extra dimensional or extraterrestrial things are can also do stuff like the men in black and project things and project something that is, I guess, what they think is an approximation of a human, but they're still, it's like for being an alien or some kind of higher life form, they're not very good at imitating a human, which, you know, I've seen episodes of like the little rascals where they get a, chim- <laughs> a chimpanzee to put clothes on and he could, you know, he's able to get inside a movie theater. What does it say about the top 10 here? Top 25, in fact, that there's no men in black reported. Because they are so incredible sounding, like nothing about them sounds rational. Everything about them sounds like it happened in a fever dream. Let me ask you a few other questions here. I know you and I aren't experts. You don't know. I'm just asking you to use your your best judgment. Mm -hmm. Did aliens have any part in the building of humanity? Like, for example, ancient history. Like ancient (laughs) civilizations? Yeah. Nah, I don't think so. I mean, I kind of wish. I think that would be cool, but nah. I don't rule it out. I don't believe it's true, but I don't rule it out. Next question. In the next 100 years, will humans make contact with intelligent life in a known way to where... Oh, in a known way. Yeah. Kind of like the moon landing is like this public event. Like, will that happen? I don't know. In the next hundred years? They could come here or we could go there. They're going to have to come here. We can't get our shit together. We can't even get our ass to Mars. You know what? I'm hopeful. I'm going to say yes. And will it go well? I hope not. (laughs) For them. For them. God bless America. <laughs> we shake them with one hand and then stab them in the neck with the <laughs> other one. You know we'd be outnumbered and outpowered. There's no way we would. And there's no way, even if we could take them out, if we all partnered together, it would never happen. I don't think it's like the movies where the world partners together and takes <laughs> them out. They run around zapping us going, ap, ap. Where's Jack Nicholson when you need him? All right. All right. Let's get back to the list. The number three, the Aguadilla, Aguida airport incident. April 2013 in Aguira, Puerto Rico. Credibility rating of six. That's high. An unidentified flying flying object was seen flying at low altitude across the Rafael Hernandez Airport runway in Aguira, Aguira, Puerto Rico. Spell that word. A-G-U-A-D-I-L-L-A. So, the end is like quesadilla. Aguadilla. Aguadilla, Puerto Rico. The object did not give any warning signals. This is the UFO. And it delayed the departure of a commercial flight. A U.S. Customs and Border Protection aircraft captured infrared video of the episode. <laughs> you that know was... somebody was like, yeah, our flight was delayed. We had to sit on the tarmac for an extra 45 minutes. <laughs> oh, why? Was there bad weather? No, it was a UFO. The infrared video that was captured shows the vessel apparently traveling without lights at some instances below treetop altitude at speeds close to 100 miles per hour. These are drunk teenager aliens. Aliens, yeah. Hot rodding around. 
UFOinsight.com says, The footage in question would come from one of the thermal imaging cameras on one of the jets belonging to the Department of Homeland Security. What's more, there appears to be no question whatsoever regarding its authenticity. It, it, in it, an unknown object is clearly shown moving at great speed across both land and sea. Land and shining sea. Jesus. What's more, it even shows the apparent craft disappearing into the ocean itself. This last part of the footage is particularly interesting when we consider the many claims of alien bases in and around Puerto Rico. These include bases that either reside or are accessed under the water. While such claims are often dismissed as pure nonsense, such footage as well as the plethora of accounts of similar sightings and activity should perhaps make us consider whether such claims, regardless of their outlandish nature, have more basis in truth. Jesus. That we might at first consider. Was that written by the <laughs> World Weekly News? Last note, if that is the case, this is again from UFOinsight.com. If that is the case, are these bases permanent fixtures somewhere deep within our planet until a meeting between us and them? Or might they be a temporary measure before a final endgame is released upon humanity? God damn, like <laughs> some people saw something dip into the water. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever wrote this is just going to extreme, like the mole people will climb forth. This site was saying, not just in this article, but throughout the site, that Puerto Rico is apparently like a hotbed of like the most UFO nerd of UFO nerds mm -hmm. are convinced that Puerto Rico holds some uh, key answers to the UFO questions we have. Good reason to take a vacation there. Just two more and they're related. The USS Nimitz Tic Tac UFO incident. I've heard of the Tic Tac UFO. Looks yeah. like a Tic Tac. Looks like a Tic Tac. When's the last time you had a Tic Tac, Brandon? Fucking 20 years ago? <laughs> Bad breath. <laughs> I don't have any breath problems. Uh, the USS Nimitz Tic Tac UFO incident took place in November 2004 along the California coast. It has a credibility rating of six. U.S. Navy pilot commander David Favor recalled saying, quote, something not from this earth while commanding a U.S. Navy strike fighter squadron during exercises some 60 to 100 miles off the coast of California. He recounted observing a tic-tac-shaped vessel. Moving at great speed, the UFO was seen by a crew separate from Favor, the, this guy, that tracked the object and filmed it for more than a minute. The footage has now been declassified and published, so you can see this footage out there, and it is interesting for sure. Have you seen the footage? I have. I think it's been a while though. It's it's just this very small because it's so far away, but like you can see this thing fly up and just kind of hovers there in the middle and then flies away. It looks like a UFO. I'm looking it up right now. It's on, it's on the History Channel website. The video while you're doing that. The video was released by former intelligence officer Luis Elizondo to shed light on a secretive Department of Defense operation to analyze reported UFO sightings, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. On September 17, 2019, very recently here, the U.S. Navy acknowledged that the three UFO videos released as part of this are of real, unidentified phenomena. That comes from the U.S. Navy. Defense and security writer Kyle Misakami suggested three possibilities that could explain the sightings. The first is equipment malfunction or misinterpretation. Yeah, this is the one that happened just a few years ago. Yeah. This is the one that like was basically like, yeah, the this is disclosure. The government is saying, yeah, these are definitely UFOs. Look, here it is. Here's the video. Why would they release that if they're so secretive all these years? I don't know. This guy was, this writer, he was saying the second explanation is that uh, it's classified government technology. And the last possibility is that the sightings were caused by objects 
extraterrestrial origin. Yeah, look it up, people. USS Nimitz Tic Tac UFO. And number one is related because it was part of the declassification of all this. So, let me, let me read this. Number one is the F-A-18 Super Hornet Go Faster video. Have you heard of that? No, I wonder if this is the video I'm thinking of where you can hear the pilot speaking. Yes. Yeah. That's it. I'm sending it to you now if you want to watch it again. This is the disclosure one. Yeah, well, they're all related and I'll tell you why. So, this happened in 2015 somewhere on the East Coast, credibility rating of six. There's a YouTube video for this. You can watch it. Video shows two military guys trying to track a flying object. They finally get it on camera and exclaim, Woo! Got it! And then they wonder aloud, what the fuck is that thing? And they go back and forth talking for like a full minute trying to figure out what they're seeing. So, I saw a wrap-up of this on CNN. It said that a new purported military video of an unidentified aircraft has been I made just public. Heard the guy, I just heard the guy say he got it and he was so excited. Woo! Yeah. I got it! <laughs> sounds like a kid like getting, you know, finally tracking it in a video game or something. It sounds like the teenage alien that finally makes it into Earth's atmosphere. Got it! <laughs> Hand me another Miller Lite. Following, uh, so this was made public following the Pentagon's acknowledgement the prior year that, had been, that it had shelved an initiative devoted to identifying unknown objects in aerospace. Defense Department footage from an FA-18 Super Hornets video of the, quote, high-speed flight of an unidentified aircraft. Luis Elizondo, the same guy I mentioned for number two, he is the former head of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, who now works at To The Stars Academy. He told CNN that the newly released video provides further evidence of what he said is likely a much larger cache of Pentagon, oh wait, it's cache, right? Cache? of Pentagon materials about unidentified aerial phenomena and underscore the need for a public conversation around the issue. He said he did not believe the object was necessarily a little green space alien, but that they couldn't rule anything out, and even if the object is simply a foreign aircraft, that alone should be alarming. He said, quote, it could be anything, so I won't rule anything out. That's why I think we need to look at it. I mean, it could be Russian, it could be Chinese, it could be little green men from Mars. We don't know what the hell it is. I hope it's little green men. The guy that I was quoting, he works for To The Stars Academy, which is a like a basically a UFO exploration Is that organization. what uh, Tom DeLong is doing now? Yes. That's him? Yes. Oh. To The Stars Academy of Arts and Science was co-founded by Blink-182's Tom DeLong. Yeah. They're the ones who re- initially released this video. They released a series of videos all at the same time that were made public, which was both number one and two on this top ten. You know, recently Tom DeLong was like, I have this piece of metal, it's from a UFO and they're going to have somebody look at it, like a scientist look at it and the scientist is like, nah, this shit's not a UFO. <laughs> I didn't know that. So, he was kind of bummed about that but this guy has gone all in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he's got the kind of money where he's like, I don't give a fuck, I'll go all in on aliens, who gives a shit? This is my final fun fact on today's episode. Nine out of ten of the top ten took place in the last three months of the year. They all took place October, November, or December, and one took place in September, which probably means nothing. I just thought it was an interesting coincidence. Hmm. Nine out of ten, all in the last few months of the year. Brandon. Yes. I would say we did it, but really, I just read off my notes. Yeah, it's, I could not have guessed. Uh, like, I'm probably more into UFOs than most, and... And that was difficult for me. Yeah, and I, I typically, I think you do too, I typically avoid lists where I know that most people won't guess. 
No, but I think this, like I said, this uh, episode is a little bit of a different format, maybe not as many like bullets or notes on what is a sort of well-known subject like Disney movies. (laughs) Disney movies are sort of well-known, I agree. Well, you know what I mean? Like, I tried to bring things you may not know about things you're very familiar with. Well, none of these are very familiar to most people. So, yeah, different kind of episode where we can sit back and maybe get a little more of our weird learn on. Yeah, and and I had a lot of requests to do something UFO. So, yeah, I gave it a shot. Would love to know what everyone thought out there. If you thought this format didn't work well and we should avoid this sort of thing in the future, that's cool. Let me know. You can email us at tennispod at gmail.com. You could also shoot us a direct message on Twitter at tennispod. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the research and I, I do encourage you if you, you know, again, we are skimming the absolute very top line of all of these Listen to those podcasts I mentioned earlier. Our Strange Skies, Never a Straight Answer, NASA, Somewhere in the Skies. Uh, the last podcast on the left as well. And there's books. There's UFOinsight.com. There's YouTube. This shit's out there. Do your own research. Let us know what you think. Brandon, which of the top 10 do you think is the most convincing based on what you know? What I know today? about it? Yeah. Hmm. Rendlesham, Rendlesham is up there. is the one I know the most about. I think the top two. I was going to say, but I just watched video mm-hmm. <laughs> of number one and it's it's pretty interesting. I mean, I it doesn't look, you know, a lot of videos are like, especially the ones in space, you know, they'll say like, look, if there's this video out of the shuttle or a spacecraft and they'll point at something floating out in space and say that that's an alien. I mean, it's usually like a piece of debris or junk that's been jettisoned and is flying you know, somewhere near the spacecraft. And it's usually shot by a civilian. Yeah, the videos are usually shot by a civilian. Now, the ones from, I mean, yeah. no, the ones from, I mean, the ones from space are, are from NASA's own videos, which... Oh, sorry, I missed No, but even though, even those, like, just the fact that they're NASA's own videos, if NASA had video of, an, of a UFO, they probably weren't going to let that leak out. But people find it and say, like, oh, look at this thing moving, that's a UFO. No, it's a piece of, you know, the rocket booster that's moving dozens of miles away from the spacecraft. But in the video for the number one entry, Go Fast or Go Faster, in that video, you can see it moving at a a very small, whatever it is, moving at a very straight angle. So, yeah, I can see how people would say that's a meteorite or that's something falling. But those pilots are very highly trained not just in flying, but also in spotting and judging distances and speeds. And if they say that something messed up, I think that we should probably listen to them. No, I agree. Let me go back through the top 10 here, just in case people want those names again to look up this shit. Number 10 was the Shag Harbor sighting. Number 9 is the 1976 Tehran incident. Number 8 is the Coin Mansfield helicopter incident. Number 7 is the Nancy France sighting. Come on, fight me, Nancy France. (laughs) Number six is the Japan Airlines Flight 1628 incident. Number five is the Chicago O'Hare Airport sighting. Number four is Rendlesham Forest incident, the most famous in the top ten, I'd argue. Number three is the Aguidilla Airport incident in Puerto Rico. Aguadilla. Number two and number one are the two I suggest you look up on YouTube. Number two is the USS Nimitz Tic Tac UFO incident. That's Nimitz, N-I-M-I-T-Z. Number one is the F slash A dash 18 Super Hornet Go Faster video. That is the most credible modern UFO sighting in history as ranked using criteria from 
the father of modern ufology, Joseph Allen Hynek, as reported by Newsweek.com. We did it. I did it. You listened. I learned. This will be posted, let's see, this episode will be published on December 4th. December 4th. Will your Mandalorian review bonus episode be published by December 4th? Yes. Okay. If you want to listen to Brandon ramble. About the first three episodes of The Mandalorian, a review of what I think about it, what's good about it, maybe what's not so good about it, which is very few things. But most importantly, some ideas, some theories, some Easter eggs, some thinking. There's Easter eggs in Star Wars? I didn't know they celebrated Easter during the Space Wars. Mm-hmm. Instead of an Easter bunny, it's an Easter job of the hut. I'll get you for this. If you want to listen to Brandon's cute little review, you can go to patreon.com slash tennispod for just three bucks a month. You get all of our bonus episodes. And by the way, later this month, I have an idea for our next bonus episode and it's going to be something Seinfeld related. So, if you like hearing us talk about Seinfeld, yada, 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 patreon.com slash tennispod. I should let everybody know that... I sat down recently for an interview with Jim, the podcast Sherpa of Too Many Podcasts, that's T-O-O, Many Podcasts, exclamation mark. I believe it will be released November 27th, so as the ti- at the time that your earbuds are getting hit with these sounds from my mouth, mm. That episode will be available. I sat down with Jim to talk about our podcast and to answer some of his questions about the show, how it started, uh, about me personally, about things I like to wear, things I like to think, things I like to say, my favorite foods. We didn't get that into me actually. Um, But yeah, it's... uh, Things you like to think. (laughs) Things I like to think. Yeah, we'll be there a while. So, anyway... I had a good time talking to Jim. He's a nice guy. Um, so, check out his episode of Too Many Podcasts with me wherever you get your podcasts at, I guess. Yeah, wherever you get your podcasts at. That's Too Many Podcasts. We'll share a link too on our social. Did you talk about how I carry the show for us? Nope. During that interview? I didn't mention anything like that. Did you talk about how I'm the better looking of the two of us? Absolutely not. He didn't ask. I didn't offer. Okay. Well, that's, that's a shame. You have to remember, we'll have to write you some cue cards for your he next He had done his homework. Interview. He knew better. All right. I think we're done here. Anything else, Brandy? No. This will come out after Thanksgiving. So, if you're in a place that celebrates Thanksgiving, I hope you had a good one. If you're in a place that doesn't celebrate it, I hope it's fine whatever you're doing. Yeah. And if you have been abducted by fucking aliens, <laughs> let us know. And if you are an alien, if you're a man in black, let us know that too. If you're a lizard man, if you're Donald Trump let us know. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.